Welcome to the Fellowship Asheville Convo Cast, where we hope to inspire you with stories of what God is doing in and through the people of Asheville. And in this first season, as you know, we are uh, introducing you to our elders. And today, I am with Brian Flagler. Um, um, so Brian, tell us a little bit about who you are to those who are watching and or listening. Well, I'm a, a father to three boys and uh, married to a beautiful wife, Amy. We moved to Asheville, it's a little over seven years ago from the West Coast and um, love the outdoors, love the mountains here, um, love the city of Asheville and really love what this church is about. And um, we felt God call us to this church. So it's nice to be a part of a church where we, we really believe that this is where God wants us. Yeah, I can't believe it's been seven years. Me either. Wow, wow. Um, uh, do you mind a little bit kind of diving into feeling called to be at Fellowship Asheville? Sure. Well, you, you told a little of the story on Sunday. Um, uh, I was in China and we had decided to move to Asheville and this guy comes up to me and says, yeah, hey, I heard the mayor of Asheville Oh, I told it backwards. I thought you told him, but that's right. He told yeah. you. Yeah, he told that's me. Right. Yeah. And I was sitting with you at Romans for lunch. Not him. That was, um, Wasn't that I think right? That, yeah. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Okay. That, that was that was a long time ago. Yeah. Well, um, but seven years. The, the point the point is the same, which yeah. is God used that moment to confirm for us our, de our decision to move to Asheville. But then later, um, God made it really clear that this was the church we were supposed to be at. And I was really frustrated with that, to be honest. Um, not this church, but we had helped plan a church in Oregon. And so we had been a part of one church for a bunch of years. And I was ready to sample all the churches in Asheville. Um, see how different churches did it, you know, learn from different approaches. And um, this is the first church we, we tried. And a couple weeks in, we were late. Surprise, Flagler's were late. And uh, so we're on the front row at the Y. And God just said, this is, this is where you're supposed to be. Um, so we are. That's cool. Well, what's something about you that maybe most people don't know? Well, um, yeah, probably a variety of things. Um, a funny one. I'll give you a funny one. Um, yeah. um, peach fuzz. The fuzz on a peach, not my favorite. Grew up loving peaches, lived in Georgia. But the, the outside of the peach is like fingernails on a chalkboard to me. So what do you do? How do you eat a peach? So my lovely wife will actually cut the skin off a peach for me. Yeah. She loves me that much. That is love. That is dedication. Indeed. That Indeed. kind of stuff does not come up in premarital either. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no. My, my kids will chase me around the kitchen with a peach in their hand. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Okay. I'm going to try really hard not to use that against you sometime. But it's oh, you will. Hard. You will. I probably will. In, in fun, in jest, but yeah. And if not me, somebody listening to this will. So that's, thank you for sharing that. Sure, absolutely. That, that'll be entertaining at some point. We're a church of transparency, right? We are. You can be anything but a liar. Um, 
that's what we hope for. Well, share with, share with folks how you came to know Jesus. My story is thankfully pretty boring in that regard, um, in the sense that I grew up in a Christian home, um, was introduced to Jesus, you know, just very, very young, grew up in the church, both my parents as believers. Um, and so I, I accepted Jesus in second grade. Um, and it, so I didn't have the huge conversion experience someone might have when they meet Jesus in their 20s or 30s or 40s. But I'm thankful for that because it's, it's just always been a part of me. Um, but Jesus grabbed more of my heart after college. Um, I, I was somewhat lackadaisical about my faith in college. It was there. It was something I walked in. But um, it was really renewed when I was in law school. In fact, when Amy and I were dating uh, when I was in law school. And that is a fun part of our story in pursuing Jesus together. How did, how was your faith renewed in law school? It seems like a odd time. I think it was more a, a feeling of a lack of investing in that part of me that it was always very much who I am and who I was, but I, I wasn't spending the time pursuing it actively in church and started going back to a church in Charlottesville before Amy and I started dating, but shortly before. And um, we started going to that church together and the pastor uh, spoke directly to issues that she and I had been debating or talking about the week before. And this happened like three weeks in a row. Like the message was, it was like he was just speaking directly to us. Um, and so, so that's been fun to pursue that together. And we continue to do that. You know, I, I think faith is a, a lifelong pursuit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's talk about your work for a little bit. You know, you kind of left it out of the bio. Typically, I, I bring it out. But your work is a very unique work. So I'm glad to kind of take some time and and hone in on it. So, so you're in a unique field. Can you give us a picture of what you do for your job? Sure, sure. I'm... I'm very thankful for what I get to do. And, um, and that is to represent the Christian message. Um, so our mission as a firm is to serve organizations that are involved in a Christian message, whether that be a church or a ministry that's doing evangelism. Um, we represent many of the Christian book publishers in the country, um, folks who do Christian events and curriculum. And that came about, um, wasn't my idea. Um, I had, I had the, the opportunity to, um, to work for a Christian book publisher in 2000. And that moved Amy and I um, and little Patrick to a ski town in the middle of Oregon where this publisher was located. And that was a dream for me. Um, I mean, I, I got to work alongside some really mature Christian leaders and, and grow in my faith. Um, and then in 2005, um, our local pastor was preaching on John 15 about bearing fruit. And it hit me out of nowhere. I was supposed to leave my job and start. D describe that moment. How did you, like, it was just a hunch. It was, how did you know? Um, one of the ways that I've, I've learned that, and Fred, you've actually been super helpful in 
discerning when God's speaking and not. Um, but then it was in part because I knew it wasn't something I would have come up on my own. Mm. So God, or rather the pastor was preaching in John 15, bearing fruit, abiding in him. And it hit me that what I was doing was limited in the sense that there were these other needs within the Christian publishing world that I was working in, but no one was serving uh, as a lawyer, the industry more broadly. So that hit me and, and it just, the thought was you need to quit your job. You, you need to leave what's comfortable and you need to serve me more broadly. And I did not like it. Um, I came home that day and I told Amy, I feel like this is what God asked me to do. And I'm terrified. And what, I don't want to. What did she say. say? She's like, oh, let's go do it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> she, was, she was ready to go from day one. That's what um, Stacy said when I came home and said, I think God wants us to plant a church in Nashville. She said, okay, let's go. Yeah. 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 We, we married up. Oh, yeah, um, we did. And so, yeah, Amy was totally ready to go. Um, I, I wrestled with God for nine months over mm. this decision. I, in fact, I convinced myself that I hadn't heard from him and that instead he just wanted me to do some speaking to the industry and mm. serve that way. Um, and God just kept wrapping me over the head with, no, I'm asking you to leave your job. I'm asking you to leave what's comfortable. And so um, eventually I did. So that nine months, how did you, you know, you say he kept beating you over the head. How was there just like this unrest? Like describe that nine months versus month 10. Um, I think it was a feeling of disobedience. Mm. It was a feeling of you're not, I've got this, trust me. And you're not completely releasing yourself to me. And we went through a process within that company that was part of unlocking it for me. I thought I was going to lose my job. And, um, and in that time, found a new piece in whatever God has for me is going to be good. And I don't have to hold on tightly to anything. So I think through that, he taught me I can trust him and I can go wherever he wants me to go. The 10th month was very different. Um, because I sat and so I shared with the president of the company, I need to go, I need to do this. We had been praying together every day for, you know, months. And so he knew I was struggling with it. And I, I click send that night on how to eliminate my job. You know, here's an email, here's how to get rid of my job. And I came in the next day and I thought that was the dumbest thing I've ever done. Like, I, you know, I, I it was just that moment of doubt. This wasn't God. Yeah. This was something yeah. that I've come up with. And I was not in the office for 30 minutes when the phone rang. And it was Jerry Kriegel in Grand Rapids, Michigan, who I'd never met, who had heard me speak. And he said, we have this copyright issue. We don't have anybody to help us. Can you help us? And it was the first of a series of moments like that where God was making it really clear to me yes, this is what I want you to do. And yes, I will provide for you to be able to do it. Yeah. The way you describe that, that just kind of that nagging sense of disobedience. I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm. And I've been there too, where it is, you know what God wants you to do, 
and, and it's covered with with doubt and with at least for me like and and not doubt in god doubt in myself mm-hmm. like did i really hear god on this you know and 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 there is just kind of that nagging sense of just trust me just trust me just trust me um i've been there i've been there i know exactly what that yeah and there's a tension between the things that i like in this world versus trusting that what god has for me is much better um so the control is a, is an element of that um but i i just absolutely am thankful um that god took me through that and we've had moments of doubt since i've had moments of doubt and and he has been so faithful to encourage me um yeah. when those have happened yeah as you as you've started your business and grown it how have you seen god work in and through what you do um, I think the moments that are most um, just sort of satisfying to me are when an organization is pushing to share the gospel in a new way. They're, they're, um, maybe they're publishing a book that has some more challenges to it or risk with it, or um, they're they're making a strategic change and there's something that stands in the way. There's an obstacle to them being able to do what they do, or there's a threat from the outside to the organization that is really putting at risk, whether they can continue to be an independent voice in publishing Christian messages. And if, if I can help them find a path through that, that um, doesn't cost a fortune and allows them to focus on what they do, um, that is, that's just amazing to me. That's, that's why I get up in the morning. So um, I've, I've had the opportunity to see organizations through some really hard, difficult times. And um, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, you, you said something to me a couple of years ago, maybe a little bit more, that um, uh, it was, it was this, this moment, you and I were on the phone. I remember exactly, I was sitting in my office on that little couch in my office. And um, you were speaking as your role of an elder. And you said, I'm here to protect you. And, and you know, in, in the context of that, it was from some, I think, some unjust attack. And, and, and I mean, I started ugly crying. <laughs> like, I started weeping so much that in my mind, I told you, oh, wow, I didn't know this was in me. What I heard you say was, whenever you get a minute, I'd like you to repeat that because I didn't understand what you said because I was crying so hard. But but in that though, in you saying that, like it just released this weight on my soul that I didn't even know was there. This in in as I was thinking about this interview and thinking about what you do, because I think what you do is very unique. Um, not only to people in our congregation, but to, you know, the, the Christian industry in general, Christian world in general. But, but as I was thinking through that and through that interaction with you and thinking through what you do, I kind of see this connection of, uh, in a lot of ways, that's what you do for your clients, for those that, that you work for, for those people you serve, you, you protect them in some ways. Can you, can you unpack that for me? Because you talked a little bit about about um what you just said you kind of remove barriers and that's why you get up in the morning unpack that for me well i think that moment was 
Um, well, I think two things. I think that was an emotional moment for both of us as we're walking through a challenging situation. So- um, Yeah, but you didn't completely lose <laughs> everything. <laughs> well, I, I say that to say that I think that was God speaking through me in that moment. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't want to take away the fact that I think the spirit just spoke into that moment. Yeah. Um, but it, in terms of how I approach that type of thing, um, it's through a lens, which is to do what only I can do in a situation and not try to solve all the other things, but do the thing that I can do. And in that moment, I, I, could, I could sense that you needed to be protected in order to be able to lead with confidence and lead out and be yourself. I could see that standing in your way. Um, and, uh, and, and it was very clear that it shouldn't be standing in your way. And so that happens all, all the time. We have trademark issues that come up. We have copyright and rights issues. We have employment issues. Um, you know, ministries encounter all types of challenges. And what I can often see is a way through that challenge that works for the other party and works for my client. It's something that meets both organizations' goals. And, um, and sometimes the other side is completely unreasonable and I simply need to protect my client. Um, and that moment with you is sort of along those lines. And, and when that happens, I get to sort of rear up and, you know, go all guns blazing and, and protect. I don't have to do that very often. Most of yeah. the time I'm finding a solution. Yeah. Well, I know for me, and, and yes, you're right. It was very much the, the spirit of God. And I could tell by what it did in my soul because it did, you know, scripture is, you know, the, the truth will set you free. And that set me free. And, and I was able to move forward just being me. Um, and, and you did exactly what you said. You removed this barrier. And in my case, this barrier was a weight that, that mm. I kind of had to protect myself and, and just gear up and, and all that stuff. And when you took that for me, yeah, it allowed me to be me. Um, as, as you're going through that, though, like, how, I'm not even sure how to ask this question. But like, how do you know when, how do you know when there's a barrier to remove and that you can contribute to that versus it's a, it's a barrier that's just going to be there? That's a good question. Um, so as a lawyer, you have to evaluate where do you have leverage? Where do you have strength? And where do you have weakness? Um, our clients don't have a lot of money to spend fighting over issues generally. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, one example would be we had a ministry in California, had a really significant part of their, their curriculum for kids, and it was under attack from another trademark owner. And they were potentially going to have to shut down a chunk of their ministry, and they were pretty worried about it. Um, well, when I looked at the situation, I realized the claim was totally uh, bogus. It was it was not something that this other party should be in a position to demand. And so in that case, I got to, you know, go strong and, and use really powerful language and, and really tell the other side, you know, where they could stick it. Um, and, I, okay. Uh, see, okay. I've known you for seven years since you've been here. And, and I picture like in my experience with you is this peaceful, like 
pausing for thought, calm individual. I would love to see you come out guns blazing sometime. <laughs> well, I, I, uh, it's not my nature to yeah. pick fights. Um, but sometimes you get backed into a corner and sometimes you're, you're just right about something. And, and so in this case, the client gave, gave me a real um, compliment and, and said, uh, basically, um, thank you for protecting us. I'm so glad we're on the sending side of that letter and not on the receiving side of that letter. Um, <laughs> so that was, yeah, that was fun. Um, yeah. Um, but it's not always the case. Oftentimes, my client um, really is just trying to find a way through something where they don't have the right to demand anything. Um, we had a situation not too long ago where um, I needed to call Disney. And I had, I had reason why we had the higher position, but I knew that if they decided to press it, I didn't have $300,000 of legal fees to fight it, right? right. Uh, my client was going, wasn't going to do that. Um, so I pick up the phone and I gently press our leverage uh, and ask them, can we just work it out? And, uh, and they did on the spot. We worked it out. So that's another satisfying moment. Um, but I couldn't go into that one guns blazing because then they would have squashed me like a bug. <laughs> well, there's, there's, there's this humility there that I appreciate about you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 So as you're talking though, you know, I, I keep making this connection to parenting, you know, like mm -hmm. as a parent, there are times where, you know, I, I, I've seen it before where like people turn into mama bear and papa bear. You know, like there are times where we come out guns blazing and times where we're kind of helping kids kind of navigate tough situations. Have you, have you seen what you've learned at work impact your parenting? In two ways I do. Um, the first is not my lawyering. It's the amazing content I get to work with. I mean, these communicators that I work with every day have taught me so much about parenting um, and you know about what's what's our real role as parents and um, so I just I steal from them a lot um, mm. in terms of the the, the exercise of um, you know problem-solving I think I, I will I will be a calm voice in the midst of a parenting debate not always I'll lose my temper yes. for sure. Uh, but when I'm, when I'm doing well, I'm finding a way through that stays um, really focused on, look, my, my son has a choice to make and my son can have consequences from that choice, but it's not my job to control what they do. And it's really about preparing them to be 25 and responsible, not to be the perfect 15 year old or 17 year old or 13 year old. Um, and so when I'm, when I'm doing well, I stay focused on that. And instead we, we really talk about what is your choice? Um, and what are the consequences of that choice? Um, but yeah, not a hundred percent on that one. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. But it's really good. Well, as we, thanks for sharing all this. It's, it's, it's been fun. Uh, one more question, unless there's anything else you want to talk about. I've, I've been, kind of been ending with this. 
is, is describe Fellowship Asheville in one word. How would you do that? I would use, because you've forced me to use one word, I'll use the word authentic. Okay. Um, I think that, I think this church is committed to being real. Um, but if I could use a few words, it would be walking towards the messes. Mm. Um, and I think I told, I've told you that the way we found fellowship, um, we're here, moved to Asheville, looking for churches online, and the, uh, Fellowship had this beautiful mess, a book by Rick McKinley on the homepage. And we had just walked out of a messy church situation. And so we value the fact that Fellowship is willing to walk towards the messes of life, the complicated things, the hard questions, the, the reality of being a human being that's uh, seeking to follow Jesus. And, um, and that we can be real. We're not... Um, we don't have to put on a production. And so, yeah, we value that. Yeah, well, that's, I, I obviously do too. Um, and I think it's something very um, unique that God is working into the culture of Fellowship Asheville is it, it really is a place where anybody can be themselves um, right where they are. And I love that. I don't know if it's the, the counselor in me, you know, for me, one of the things that God has always um, um, kind of instilled in me early on in my spiritual walk is integrity. I read, I think it was Bill Hybel's book, um, like in the 90s, Who You Are When No One's Looking, mm -hmm. and, and that was kind of his definition of integrity. Um, and um, I've strive to do that, particularly in my role as teaching pastors. I want, I want the same Fred up on stage as you get sitting across a dinner table. And um, um, it's just because for me, it's too much work to have too many different Freds running around. I grew up in Southern Baptist churches um, all over the South and often what you experienced on Sunday was a particular part of a person. Mm -hmm. That was what was expected. Um, and you know, I appreciate that we can be ourselves walking in the, in the door. And a related piece to that for me is the fact that we invite folks to belong before they believe mm -hmm. and before they behave in a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, that it's really, hey, we welcome you here. And let's have a conversation about Jesus loving everyone yeah. um, before we're uh, expecting that to play out in the life of the believer. Yeah, 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 I agree. And it's been fun for me to have those conversations with people as they're in the process. Um, because in having those conversations and building those relationships, um, you know, you can, I can understand why they behave the way they behave, right? Because the majority of time, it's not based out of willful disobedience. Sometimes it's ignorant. Sometimes it's defense mechanisms. Um, there's a whole lot of reasons why people behave the way they behave. And, and, and to, to engage in discipleship through relationship um, it has been so much fun. Just the stories 
I get to hear and, and, and the way I get to see God change people's lives just by a conversation mm-hmm. has been so powerful, so fun. Well, Brian, thanks. Thanks for your time. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, just like all the others, uh, the uh, elders web, the elders email addresses are on our website. So if you, if something uh, um, sparked an interest for you and you want to follow up with Brian, that's the, the way to get in touch with me. But Brian, thanks. Um, I hope you have a great rest of your day and um, guys keep listening because there'll be more of these coming. Thanks y'all. Thanks, Brad. Yeah.